0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight. Welcome to the greatest medy
0: Welcome to a very, very special edition of Talking Terror. Tonight, we are bringing you part one of our very special Sylvester Stallone retrospective. As you all should know, Creed Two is just a few days away, and we hatched this idea several months ago, where myself, the doc, and my beloved co-host, the ghoul, uh, will be talking some Sylvester Stallone. Uh, for part one this evening, we're going to be breaking down the Rocky series, talking about its impact on us and in society, talking about some other Sylvester Stallone stuff. And then uh, sometime in the year 2019, Sylvester Stallone will be coming out with his, what is billed as the final Rambo film. And we will have part two of our Sylvester Stallone retrospective uh, leading up to the Rambo film. We'll be looking forward to that as well. But before we get into this, a uh, very special episode that I'm very excited about. I couldn't do this alone, so I bring to you uh, one of Talking Terror's four co-hosts. I have the ghoul of geek, geek, geek here with us.
1: Hello, 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 hello. Should I be calling you Doc Lewis tonight?
0: Wh- whatever makes you happy, man.
1: Oh, oh, man, you can't tell me you don't know who Doc Lewis is.
0: Oh, I said whatever, make- whatever makes you happy. Oh, so okay. you can call me Doc okay. Lewis, you can call me, call me Dr. Brown, uh, you can call me uh call me Dr. Everything. Brown I. But anyway,
1: so Doc Lewis, man, you do know who that is though, right? Doc
0: Lewis. Does it have, uh, uh, Doc, re- refresh my memory because I'm drawing a blank here. Uh,
1: Doc Lewis, dude, he's your trainer in Mike Tyson's punch out.
0: You know, that's what I was going to say, and I was about to say, I think you're talking about Punch Out, and then I was about to say, I was about to say a different name. I'm like, yeah, I think you're talking, I almost said out loud, I think you're talking about Punch Out, but I'm pretty sure that the, the, the trainer in Punch Out's name was this, and it was going to be something else. I, I, I forgive me.
1: Todd, how dare you? How dare you not? Uh, I am fucking excited as hell to be here, man. Yes, this is months, months planning to uh to finally get in here and, and discuss a little a uh, little sly um you know I know how much of an impact you know Sylvester Stallone and the Rocky movies have had on me in you know personal and I know you and me over the years have definitely discussed you know at length multiple times you know about uh Sylvester Stallone his career and again specifically the Rocky movies because they are the Rocky movies man
0: they are the Rocky movies. I mean, uh, one—it's—it's truly—and I know we're going to touch on this throughout our discussion, but it's truly amazing to me that here in the very end of the year 2013, that this series is still going strong. Just uh, 2018, some, bro. That's what I said. What did I say?
1: 13. I <laughs> said
0: 2013. I said 2018. Back to tape but anyway, that in Take November late November, late November of two thousand and eighteen, uh, we are seeing yet another in another film in the, in the Rocky series. Uh, yes, it is creed it 's its own series. This is part two in the Creed series, but Rocky Balboa 's character looms large and is a large part of this series too, and yes, it 's not traditionally a rocky movie. But I still consider this part of the series, and the fact that uh, here we are uh, in two thousand and eighteen and about to have uh, you know a cinematic event coming up uh, I just I think that's so cool that that this is uh, this is a character and a series that uh, you know stands so large in American film uh, and and with such tremendous social popularity and cultural popularity uh, that 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 they're still making them that they're still Uh, able to create them, that Sylvester Stallone is still with us and still playing this character all these years later.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. And, yeah, I think, you know, I think especially with uh, what we're seeing with Creed, you know, obviously a lot of times when we're discussing the horror films that we're talking about on Talking Terror on our regular night or Wednesday night, um, you know, remakes, reboots, terrible sequels, all of that stuff constantly comes up. Um, I feel like with what they've done with Creed is very much what I'd like to see them do with certain movie universes. Um, rather than trying to go the reboot method, you know, let's go with a, a continuation of a story or a thread that was interesting to people in the original series, and let's see what we can do with it now. Let's see how we can create it now. And, you know, what they've done with that film, you know, which, again, at some point I know we'll be discussing each film, you know, a little bit deeper and whatnot. But, but I really felt very strongly for the Creed movie. Uh, I, I It's only the second time I've watched it since I've gotten it. And, you know, I was so thrilled last night when I was watching that film to just still feel just so much, just so much happiness, such a smile on my face while watching that movie. So, you know, I was thrilled with that. But, yeah, we've had a Rocky movie in every decade since inception here. So, you know, that's, that's, that is a testament to, to the strength of the character and the world that they built within those films.
0: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, just making it into the 90s with Rocky V coming out in 1990. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, I feel that uh, there were just a f- several circumstances uh, that created this kind of, I don't know if perfect storm is the correct terminology you want to use, but around Sylvester Stallone uh, being able to continue to do this and do so successfully. Um, his, his age now, as a human, uh, is, he's playing the... supposed to somebody, a robot? Well, as opposed to, I mean, you know, already it's, it's hard to think that it's so long ago, but Rocky Balboa, the final movie, if you will, in the Rocky Balboa saga... Uh, is already 12 years ago, uh, in 2006, mm-hmm. So, uh, and he was in the ring. Uh, it, it, it's, it's beyond the realm of possibility to imagine that you're going to see a, a Rocky movie where well, Sylvester Stallone is in the ring, and Rocky Balboa gave a great send-off, so I'm not trying to say that that should be happening, but to now have stepped into this trainer's role... Uh, and continue the story with the kin of Apollo Creed, it's just perfect. And I think for him to come back to this, look, I love Sylvester Stallone. He's one of my absolute favorite actors. Uh, there, there's not, there's a lot in his catalog that I don't like, but there's, there's way more that I do. Uh, so many of his movies were so impactful to me and so influential to me. And, uh, you know, the fact, being able to look at things, you know, realistically as they are, it's not like Sylvester Stallone has some hugely successful career going aside from these characters in this day and age. So it was kind of like the perfect timing for him to give his career a little shot of adrenaline by doing Creed. Uh, They came to him, uh, Ryan Coogler and uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, like came to him. I think in, if I remember correctly, like in person, uh, you know, like defying, you know, the etiquette that you're supposed to follow in Hollywood when pitching films and like really pitched this to him hard and uh and really got him on board and, and you know, he's so Stallone I believe has said that that there's been offers and ideas and different things to do with the Rocky character over the years uh since, but this was the one, like this was the one that made the most sense. This is the one that spoke to him and he was truly, from what I understand, uh really impressed uh with this script for Treasury.
1: Understandable, considering what they they ended up putting out, um, and again the talent there. You know, I, the 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 film that I haven't seen yet with Kugler and and Michael B. Jordan is Fruitvale Station, uh, which I've heard nothing but fantastic things about, and I know that's based on a true story that actually happened in like your wheelhouse over there. It was in San Francisco. Um,
0: no, no, no. Involving the, the, some the Bay, the Fruitvale Station is in the East Bay in Oakland. I I actually. Oh. Uh, I play hockey in the East Bay, and I I pass by the road signs for Woodvale Station uh, every time that I travel to the East Bay for my hockey game. So, uh, yeah, that's supposed to be a great. I knew it was film. California. Pretty... Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have not seen that film yet either. It is supposed to be it's supposed to be incredible. And if I'm not mistaken, there might have been some award nominations for it, but I'm I'm not sure off the top of my head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, neither am I. But yes, I I remember hearing that. Um, Film Was you know a great film And it's just always been one that's on my list It was on HBO I meant to watch It just never got to it Um, You know uh, Michael B. Jordan Who you know I know you And me were both familiar with From the last two seasons Of Friday Night Lights You know Get clear eyes full hearts can't lose Baby you know Panther pride But you know Michael B. Jordan came in To a series which, while maybe not having as large a fan base as NBC would have liked it to in order to keep putting it on the air, the fan base that that series did develop are passionate about it, you know? And those characters, what they built with that, they are beloved. And, you know, for all of that started that series, you know, Matt Saracen was our quarterback. And in comes, you know, a new team, our coach has to move to a new location, and we get introduced to a whole slew of new characters. And Michael B. Jordan stole the show. You know, he was one of those those young actors at that point that you just look at. And I've said this a number of times for this actor. I will not be surprised on the day that he is going to accept an Academy Award because he just feels like the kind of actor – who one day is going to do that. There is nothing I have yet to see him in that I have not seen him be the thing that I am attracted to the most in that film. You know, him and Coogler got together again in black Panther in which he played the villain in that movie. And you know, that movie was a great film. He was just a great character because Michael B. Jordan is fantastic. That shitty fantastic four movie that came out a couple of years ago Terrible movie, horrible film, but Michael B. Jordan was still great in it, you know, doing what Michael B. Jordan does. Um, So yeah, I I can't say enough good things about the actor, so him getting into this role, him and Kugler working together again, putting this together, putting this to Sly – uh, yeah, I, I can totally see why he would be willing to do this, because it does make perfect sense for his character and everything that this franchise is built. You
0: know, without question, I uh, couldn't agree with you more about that. And, uh, you know, uh, I know that Ryan Coogler, uh, you know, the director of Creed has not returned for the second movie, uh, but supposedly it's in capable hands. And you have Stallone and you have you have Michael B. Jordan. Um, And you know, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what they come up with. Um, Like, like, as like if you when you say it out loud, the story, you know, certainly sounds a little convoluted. Uh, But Mm. uh, I'm excited for it, man. (laughs) I I I I got to be honest. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Um, You know, and I think even as even if this this story, like what the plot is, like sounds a little bit silly. uh, Truthfully, uh, this is a series of characters that have. In in our lives, uh, you know, the Creed bloodline going back to the original movie, but now the Drago bloodline going back to to 1985, you know? I was 11 Mm -hmm. years old. I was 11 years old in 1985. I'm 42. These characters have been in my life for, like, almost my whole life. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So uh, these are characters, and uh, these are movies that, as I'm sure you have also, that I have watched. Over and over and over and over again. Like when I was a kid and had this shit on VHS, like this was just regular watching all the fucking time. Or would hang out with friends. Oh, we got to watch Rocky Four. Uh, you know the kind of stuff when I have nothing else going on and there's I have no plans and I'm just sitting around on my ass and flipping channels and you know Rocky Four or Rocky Five or Rocky Two is on TBS. I'm like, oh, well I know what I'm doing for the next ninety minutes. Uh, so I've uh, I am excited to see where these characters are now today. I'm excited to see what's going on with Ivan Drago and what life has dealt him uh, post-fight with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, you know, I, I, am, I am full of excitement. And, and I, 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 I know, uh, I, I don't want to say embarrassment or anything like that, but I am fully excited. I, like, I'm really looking forward to this. And I, I'm honestly, in this day and age, I truly, truly do not get Excited uh, for for too many new movies the way I'm excited for this one.
1: Yeah, well, again, I uh, you know like I told you earlier, you know I'm looking forward to uh, to you know, possibly going to the theater on Thanksgiving itself to see it. Uh, I feel like by bringing these particular characters in, I feel like the movie we're going to get is going to be more in line with Rocky IV, as I would say Creed lined up with the original Rocky. Um, so I'm not expecting to see such a, a deep story or you know, a, a film in which we have a young man that's kind of searching for himself instead what i see here is probably going to be just a nice balls to the wall fighting type of film some good action sequences some great boxing matches and uh and a lot of fun you know that that's what i want to see i want to see a fun one you know this that's that's where we should be at this point you know if you take the first two films in the franchise you know you had a very serious drama and then you know then where it moved on from there was very similar to the series we're going to talk about next year at some point, which is the Rambo series, where it started as a drama, and then, like, I don't know, somebody decided, hey, you know, this, is not, this isn't a, a slow climb. This is free fall. We're just going to let go and see what the fuck happens. Uh, yeah,
0: um, you are correct. The first two movies in the Rocky series, definitely a drama. And talk about, if you really think about it, and we'll get to all of these films, uh, you know, individually, if not moving in order and analyzing each one for its cinematic merits. Uh, Rocky III, uh, maybe in the entire series, like the most deeply affecting one to me uh, on the list. But what a—if you really look at it, what a huge shift in 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 look and tone and pace and everything from the first two to the third movie, and then especially the fourth as well, but, like, that series took a hard turn in a different direction after the first two movies. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, absolutely, and again, I feel like, you know, a lot of people, and I know Sly himself, have said that these movies, you know, the Rocky movies in particular, kind of mirrored his life. So when you look at the first film, you know, it's a young actor, who's trying to, to, to make it in Hollywood. And, you know, he gets his chance and he does all right. You know, the second film is him finally achieving some success. And then the third film is him living that success to excess. Um, You know, if you were to try to, to take Sly at, at, at a deeper, deeper level, which, you know, if we could talk about Sylvester Stallone here, you know, that that's one of those harder things to do. You know, he's such, he's so embedded in our lives at this point. And I think especially of, of people our age, um, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to really like even think about him as a serious actor, as much as it is to think of him as, you know, the same, the same like caliber as an Arnold, and you know, all these uh, even like a, you know, obviously a higher quality, but a, a Dolph Lundgren, you know, these guys that are embedded in these action movies, these guys that are full of rippling muscles and and you know, steroids if you know if that's that's what they use, whatever man. But these guys were just chiseled out of fucking rock. And looking like they can pretty much take on an entire army's worth of of, of enemies all by themselves. And, you know, when, when I try to think of Sly, like, you know, I can never really think of him in dramatic fashion. So anytime I go back to the first two Rocky movies it's such a contrast to how I picture Sylvester Stallone because they are very much drama pieces and they're as much as they're stories about Rocky they are really, you know, in my opinion they've always been the stories of Adrian and her viewing him
0: yeah uh you know that definitely is a part of it but i feel that that is something that kind of more came into play uh you know in the second movie uh but then i feel uh she became more assertive in her voice i think in the third movie um i understand your your analysis of that um
1: But you can't say she came more into her voice in the third movie. I mean, she literally, in the third movie, she only really has one scene. You know, when you go back and watch the third movie, yeah, you'll see shots with her in it. But there's really only one scene of her that that really has her saying more than one or two lines.
0: Um, Well, I mean, if you're referring to the scene on the beach, it's such a pivotal moment. But there was some stuff early on, too, especially post uh, like the post-parade and statue cemetery when Clever Lang shows up and, you know, they have kind of like an argument after Mickey leaves and they, they get back uh, home and everything. But, yeah, it was, you know, I you know in one, like, yes, she was in her cocoon in the first movie and blossomed and uh, stood up to Polly and, uh, you know, kind of came out of her for shell. And, you know, the second movie was, you know, the majority of the movie was her telling him not to fight uh, until – she came out of her, her child bearing coma and then was like, now you can fight. And uh like, yeah, well, of course. And then, uh, you know, she was supportive in, in the third movie. But then in the fourth movie, she was back to don't fight again. So I don't know if it was, and yes, maybe it's a view of him as her, like, feeling for his safety and his health, uh, especially having a child and everything. But, like, she kind of sometimes... Uh, to his wants, which maybe were impulsive as a fighter, uh, a little bit of a wet blanket sometimes.
1: Oh yeah, oh I, I certainly don't disagree with that. Um, I mean, all I mean when I say you know, for as far as like the her aspect of the film is that I feel like in a lot of ways, what we are watching in the film is her perspective of what's going on. Um, you know Talia Shire. You know she she does a lot in these films. A lot of her acting isn't through dialogue, isn't through lines. It's expressions. You know, it's acting with you know her her eyes or her her face. It's a look that she's giving at a certain point. And I feel like you know if this was a a you know if this was like some kind of sound footage movie or something like that, she would be the one holding the camera you know, she's the one who we're viewing Rocky through. Now, you don't see that as much in the first film because it's mostly about him, obviously, trying to woo her. But I guess even from that perspective, you know, if we're looking at it, we are looking at it from her perspective. You know, it's it's the love story.
0: All right. I'll go along with that. I think I'll go along with that. Um, But uh, you know, as we're getting into this year, shall we, uh, shall we take it back a little bit?
1: Let's just Bring, take it back
0: do 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 Take it <laughs> back uh, Yeah, so uh, With that being said uh, These movies certainly provided a little bit of a career for Frank Stallone But that's a that's a podcast for another night
1: um, Anyway uh, we, we go back to it's the 1970s It's funny 1970- how they, they've always looked similar But like, if you notice with Frank Stallone As he got older and the surgery seemed to get a little more complex He looked more and more like his brother
0: yeah, well, I mean, w- when you look at them, like even long ago, when you look at them as brothers side by side, like it's pretty obvious why which one was the star and which one was which one wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, you go back to the to the, to the early nineteen seventies, and here you have young fledgling actor uh, Sylvester Stallone trying to find his way uh, in the film world. Uh, this is one that I I haven't seen and hope never to see, uh, but his first film credit is actually some type of softcore porn movie uh, that's called The Party at Kitty and Studs, and that's credited to
1: 1970.
0: Mm. Uh, something else notable early on in his career, he was in a, in a pretty cool, interesting movie. He was a like a periphery character, uh, but a movie called The Lords of Flatbush. Is this one that's familiar to you?
1: Yes, yes, it is. Growing up in... New York, you know, The Lords of Flatbush was one of those films that was... I I remember at, you know, probably way too young of an age to watch and and grasp what was going on with that film. I was kind of, you know, finagled or forced to watch it. So I do actually remember snippets of that movie. Um, But I don't... I have not seen it since that age and really couldn't tell you anything about it.
0: Gotcha. So... Uh, that's one. And I can't say that this is something that I saw before seeing Rocky, but I've seen this movie. It's like poor leather jacket greaser types growing up in Brooklyn. It's a coming of age story. But like one of the other characters is, is the main character. Uh, you know, also one of the guys is interestingly enough in a leather jacket played by uh, Henry Winkler. Uh, who went on, obviously, to play that same exact role uh, in Happy Days as playing Fonzie. But this is, like, a a decent movie with, like, a little bit of success. Uh, You know, and then there were a couple of other roles. Uh, One of my favorites, which I also definitely didn't see before I saw Rocky, but saw when I was a kid, is Death Race 2000, where he's one of the drivers, Machine Gun Joe. But this is a guy whose career uh, was kind of going nowhere. Uh, not much was happening, uh, wasn't really drifting through, or, uh, you know, a minor role here and there, but he had bigger aspirations, and he was really looking for, for his shot, you know, he, he wanted it. And uh, he was also a writer, and the story goes that one night he was at a boxing match, and he was seeing uh, Chuck Weppner, a.k.a. the Bayon leader, uh, taking on Muhammad Ali, uh, arguably the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, Wepner went to distance, which is not something that happened uh often and that sucks alone and it was not long after that fight uh that he went home and wrote the movie Rocky uh based on seeing that fight. It's actually something that uh he's had lawsuits on and off on and off over the years with Chuck Wepner who's always tried to like get some money and say that it was his story and, and all of this. But uh he writes this script. Uh you know, starts pitching it. Uh there is um there's interest. Uh, they're thinking, oh, uh, we can, this is a great, uh, this is a great movie that uh, would be perfect for a Robert Redford or a Burt Reynolds or a James Caan. Um, but Stallone, uh, he said no. And this is, I think, really cool. He, uh, he said the only way that he was selling that script was that if he was playing the lead role. And, uh, you know, he has, he's, you know, quoted as saying that it would he would never forgive himself for his entire life as if he wrote that movie and it became a star vehicle for somebody else. So he held tight to that, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, with the studio deciding to take the chance, they gave them, like, a minuscule budget, Uh, but he did get to play the character, and, you know, as they say, cliche over and over and over again, the rest is history. Uh, So 1976, we have the release of Rocky. Um... Out of nowhere, a uh, huge, huge blockbuster in 1976. Uh, the budget was just over a million dollars, and this movie earned over $225 in the global box office. It was the highest grossing movie of the year. It won three Oscars, including Best Picture. And, uh, you know, you can make an argument that this is, if not the, one of the top most popular American movies that has ever been made.
1: Oh, I mean, of course. And that's because this speaks to everything that, you know, America is everything that America was. Um, I mean, you know, it's no I mean, obviously, it's it's. Somewhat of a coincidence, but not really the fact that this takes, you know, the, the, the main event, the main match in this film takes place on New Year's, you know, with the bicentennial, you know, 200 years of America. Um, this is, you know, a guy coming from nothing and getting his shot at, you know, at just being great and, you know, just wanting to, to prove himself in a extremely tough tough career and he doesn't have anything else but this and you know i think that's that's where you know the fact that this is set you know in philadelphia you know all all of these little things are, are, are what come together for that to happen and yeah i think along with that and and the cast that he has that's all it's all what led to such a, a successful film i mean obviously yes is it well written yes you know is it at its heart a love story Yes, it is. But, you know, it speaks to things on such a deeper level when you really look at what this film is.
0: Uh, yeah, um, it's all of that. It's all of that and more. And I wish I could find some of the articles that I've read over the years that uh, shed light on some things in this movie, uh, especially in its time frame of 1976, that uh, maybe, you know, growing up watching this, I never even uh, picked up on. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. that there was absolute 100% perfect casting in Carl Weathers playing the heavyweight champion of the world, Apollo Creed. Uh, he was absolutely perfect in this role. And one of the things, and yes, in, uh, in American boxing, uh, it was often the case that the heavyweight champ was an African-American man. Uh, but... Uh, Apollo Creed as the champion, his message, if you go back, and this is not my own analysis, this is not my own observations, I totally have read this elsewhere, uh, but thought it was very interesting. Whenever he's like on camera and talking to the camera, his message is stay in school, hit the books, kids, don't, you know, be a thinker, not a stinker. Uh, You know, a very interesting message to be portraying. But seriously, this is a very interesting message to have that character be uh, or portraying, uh, you know, in this type of movie in 1976. Um, Pretty cool stuff. And his his portrayal, his look, his athletic, that that kind of fine muscle twitch that they talk about. I mean, the guy looked like the heavyweight champion of the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, he did look great. And I mean, you know, I know Carl Weathers, he, he based this character off of Muhammad Ali. You know, that that's what it was. That's what all the talking was, That all the showboating. Everything that he was is, you know, what the personification of Muhammad Ali was at that time and to the generations that he was. I mean, remember, as Cassius Clay, you know, Muhammad Ali was a fantastic fighter. And then, you know, with with everything going on with Vietnam, him deciding to, you know, not, he had to, to relinquish that belt. And then come back, and you know, come back as Muhammad Ali, and continue to just dominate the sport at that time. Um, you know, I mean, again, during the civil rights movement and everything, this was, you know, this this was just it was an amazing moment for that, and the way Carl Weathers took that, and then created, you know, the the Apollo character and how he crafted it. Yeah, I, I could not see anyone else portraying that character. And, you know, I mean, just same as I could say about Sylvester Stallone. I couldn't see anybody else playing the Rocky character. Um, you know, I think, you know, with Sly, with him saying, you know, like, listen, this is, you know, if, if anybody's going to play this role, it's got to be me. I think that was very gutsy on his part, too, because that could have went very bad. You know, had all the other parts of this vehicle, this, this vehicle not been so perfectly coordinated this could have ended up being just you know a disaster for him and really probably could have could have ended his career and yet instead it turned into this this star vehicle that it did and you know it it, like i said i mean it's created characters that here we are we're talking about them you know 50 years later you know 40 years later
0: yep absolutely uh, you know, another part of this movie, because uh, I know we're just going to kind of jump all over it and bounce around. Uh, is there, can you think of, can you think of any uh, movie music uh, that is more uh, deeply embedded in the culture than Gonna Fly Now, the Rocky theme song?
1: I mean, yeah, no, I look at it this way. I mean, there's, there are a lot of scores that stick out in my head. And uh, you know, I go you know anywhere I go to. The, anytime I've ever gone to the beach, or if anywhere I'm near the water, I hear the Jaws theme. Shit, if I'm in a swimming pool, I hear the Jaws theme. You know, to, to go with something more modern, I think of you know like the you know obviously it's not that modern because it was you know still almost what thirty years now the Jurassic Park theme, um, you know Star Wars.
0: Yeah, but, you know I've seen that. Yeah, it's Star fantastic no, star Wars score. Star Wars. Yeah, a fantastic uh, score
1: carries a movie. You know, that's my personal opinion. I'm I'm big with movie scores, um, uh, not movie soundtracks as much as I am with movie scores. And I feel like you know sometimes you can take a movie that might have fantastic performances and a great story, but if that music isn't right. Really, really brings it down. And on the opposite end of that, I've seen films that don't have the greatest of stories, don't have the greatest of actors in it, but that music is just so, so deeply embedded that it just really brings everything else up and elevates it. So, when I, you know what, listen, for the last week or so, you know, all I've been doing is watching Rocky movies. And as I'm working today, you know, I'm fucking busy fixing a furnace, and there I am humming, you know, gonna fly now. You know, that's just running through my head just consistently. So, you know, absolutely, to, to what you said, it does definitely personify this film, and it is it is a huge thing in American society.
0: Yeah, it totally is. Now, you, you brought up some, some of the most famous ones, and I do, I feel, that, uh, you know, the Star Wars themes for certain uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark themes, like the Indiana Jones saga, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I I don't even recall, and it's been it's been a million years since I've seen it, but like something like Jurassic Park, like I don't I don't even recall, and I don't think that that has captured uh, the culture in, in the same kind of uh, kind of global generation to generation sense. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, just a, just a thought that I have um, off off the uh, off the path. But anyway, uh, here we are. We have the very first Rocky movie, and uh, you know this movie opens with Rocky in a shitty ass club. Uh, having a shitty club fight, uh, performing shitty against a shitty opponent, and, uh, yeah, he wins and everything, but then we find out, like, you know, Rocky... Spider just, Rico, just, man. I know Spider Rico, who moves large over the series in his own way with his dishwashing skills as well, but uh, Rocky's a bum. You know, he's a two-bit, no-good, like, Lone Star-collecting bum uh, with nothing going on, uh, he's a lazy ass in the gym. Uh, can't even keep his locker. The trainer wants nothing to do with him. I mean, this is a guy in his life that is going nowhere. You know, uh, he tries to, you know, oh, I'm gonna, you know, mentor this girl on the corner, telling her all to do or uh, not to do all these things. As he's smoking a cigarette, um, you know, just a just a, a a true bum. And out of nowhere, uh, Apollo Creed has this fight scheduled. And through a turn of events, they need an opponent. And it's the Italian Stallion name uh, that jumps out to Apollo Creed, being that this is surrounding Thanksgiving. And uh, for some reason, he thinks that this is tied into uh, America and all of this and decides to give this bum from Philadelphia a shot at the title. And uh, Rocky goes into this. He's thinking, he's thinking maybe, maybe Apollo Creed needs a sparring partner. And when he's, leading, when he's leading with the promoter, Jurgen, and he says, I, I'd be honored to spar with the champ. I promise I won't take any cheap shots. I'll do my job well. And the guy's like, yo, you don't understand what's going on here. You know, like, I'm offering you a shot at the title. And at first Rocky's like, no. But then he goes for it. And uh... his entire life and, truthfully, all of our lives changed also. Uh, but he goes for it. And he takes this shot at the title. He patches up his relationship with Mickey. And, uh, and he trains, and, and, and he just wanted uh, to go the distance he said to not be just another bum from the neighborhood. And uh, that is what he is able to do. Uh, goes the distance, uh, gets the girl, and, uh, and there we have it. Uh, he goes the distance, he loses in the decision. Uh, interesting, but the right choice, I believe, for its time. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the fight sequence uh, is very exciting. He takes a beating. Um, but when you think about the fight, if you can think back to all of the details of the fight from the first movie, uh, what are the, some of mm-hmm. the things that are memorable to you? What are some of the things that stand out here?
1: I mean, obviously, you know. I, I... I'm sorry. Just before we we get into that, I just want to cut it back a little bit. Like, okay, yes, I know Rocky's a bum, but what you also got to remember about Rocky here is he's 30, 31 years old. Um, he's past what most fighters would be their prime. Um, he is also, you know, he comes off as not being very intelligent. Um, we get, you know, a little bit of a line to 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 Adrian during their their ice skating. Scene where he's talking about, you know, my father, uh, who wasn't the brightest, you know, always said that, you know, I, I don't have very much in the head, so I, I should do something with my body. Um, these these are all the things that led to him becoming a fighter. You know, we find out in a later film, you know, that he never made it past the ninth grade. Um, so, so it's not just a matter of him being a, a bum. It's a matter of, you know, I think, upbringing where he's being brought up you know the the idea of this being the the mean streets of philadelphia it's a hard life it's a hard time um and here we had a guy who you know we, we find out from mickey who had you know i believe the exact line is you had it all but you wasted it um And that's why he loses his locker. And that's why Mickey doesn't want to train him anymore. You know, we're not talking about a guy who's in his 20s. You know, we're talking about a guy who, again, is past his prime. Um, Or at least what 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 they believe. We're
0: talking about a guy going nowhere.
1: That's what I said. But but, as much as as we could call him a bum, we also do see through these scenes that he is not, you know, that he keeps two pet. Turtles, you know, which he got from the pet store. Um, you know, he mentors, you know, Little Marie. Yes, is he smoking a cigarette? But at the same time, he's, you know, he's telling her not to develop a reputation, you know, to not go down the same path as, as he went. You know, he's, he's playing a loan shark, you know, for, for a, a mob guy. But at the same time, even though the mafia boss told him that he needs to break this guy's thumb to get a message ac- across, he doesn't. You know, he takes no, the, he the money that the guy does have, but he lets the guy go without injuring him. Um, so what we are seeing is, is we see a guy that does have a a good heart or at least a decent bone in his body, you know. So as much as he might be a bum, he's not a scumbag, um, which I think I is all these things no are bad. important because be this, some this some is some what – I know you, I know you didn't. I'm just – I'm saying that, though, this way. You know, that, that I think is all the things that lead up to us – believing in him and wanting to see him actually succeed. Um, Now, as far as the fight goes, I mean, obviously, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about the fight with him and Apollo, you know, the first movie, the the loss, you know, holy shit, he lost. Um, But then the second thing that I think about – he knocks him down in the first round. He hits him with that fucking punch, and Apollo goes down, and it's the first time in Apollo's career knowing everything that we know about Apollo, who's not a villain or a bad guy, but he's a showboater. You know, he's got a lot of mouth. He wasn't taking this fight seriously, and and when Rocky lays him out in that first round, it's like, fuck yeah. Yeah, I believe he had a shot.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, it's 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 a great scene, and uh, you know, if you, if it, it's it's uh, it's two different things involving the timing. If you look at it like a clock during that fight, uh, but if you start to count from the second that Apollo goes down, you could probably count to like 15. Um, you know, in that in that sequence, uh, that's just one of those funny little things. But yeah, but then for almost the rest of the fight, uh, he takes a fucking beating, but he takes a beating and he keeps going, and. Uh, when we get to the back end of the fight, and this is, you know, obviously this is iconic, but and, and I'm sure it's millions of people's favorite part two. Uh, Rocky gets knocked down, and Apollo thinks that's it, that he's got it. And Mickey's even yelling at Rocky, stay down, stay down. And uh, he's able to pull himself up, and, like, the, 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 the rep comes over to check him, and he's like, I'm good, I'm good. And, like, Apollo turns around and just has, this, has that look of just defeat and disbelief and Rocky starts taunting him, come on, come on and Apollo just like, his shoulder stroke, as if to say I can't fucking believe that this guy is still fucking coming and uh, and, and, and then they go in and, they, and, and, he, and Rocky pounds him for the, rest of that, for the rest of that round, in the midsection where Apollo can barely stumble through his corner, uh, and then the second time thing that I'm kind of referencing is in the final round, when Rocky starts to put the pound on him, because that final round, Apollo's taking him down, like, that final round goes about, where a boxing round is three minutes, and obviously for this fight, we don't see all three minutes of every fight, but, like, in the film, like, it was, like, 12 seconds of final round fight, uh, you know, Mm. that was shown, and it was, like, not one where there was any editing or cutting, it was just, uh, and I don't mean editing, like, it was, a like, one long shot, but uh, you know, it wasn't like oh, it's the start of the round, and now we edit, and now it's the end of the round. Like Rocky is pounding the shit out of Apollo, and then like the bell rings, and you're like, wait a second, there's gonna be like ninety more seconds of this round. Um,
1: but the Rocky series uh, did bring us the montage. You know that? Oh, that they is totally shit brought short.
0: us the montage. I mean, we're gonna talk about it, but like Rocky Four is essentially like three long montages with like a couple of minutes in between. Um, it's clips, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, and then who would have thought at the time those prophetic words as they embraced at the end of the fight, ain't going to be no rematch, ain't going to be no rematch, don't want one.
1: Don't want one.
0: Don't want one. Um, Rocky got what he wanted out of the fight, uh, but the, the, the suits in the studios, you know, are just having dollar signs flash in their eyes. Uh, so obviously... Uh, there would be a sequel in the works almost immediately uh, coming out just a few short years later. Before we kind of, kind of move on, do you have any final things you'd like to say about the first Rocky?
1: No, again, man, it is, it's, it's, it's an iconic film. And, you know, for me, I I know Rocky one, isn't the first one of the films that I saw. So, and I, Sometimes I, 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 it's it's like I'm hazy with whether it was Rocky two or Rocky three, which were the, were the was the very first one that I saw, but you know, and the reason why I lean towards two is because I always remembered him winning the fight. So when I finally was like a, of an older age, you know, I want to say maybe like eight or nine or so, and watching Rocky one, when he loses at the end of the the the, the, the movie, I was like mind-blown, like, what the fuck is going on? Wait a minute. He's the champion. He doesn't lose. Um, so, so like, that was just, like, a funny little thing. Because, you know, again, it, it, in my family, the, the Rocky film series has a little bit bigger uh, of, a, a, of an importance to us. Because my uncle was a professional boxer. Um, Rocky the film series is what inspired him to do so. Sylvester Stallone is actually who he really wanted to to basically be. Um, you know, there's a a Ring magazine article that my uncle is in and, like, in that article, he's talking about, you know, like, I want to take boxing and I want to move on to, to do other things afterwards. You know, I want to be, you know, maybe modeling or acting or something like that. Um, but, you know, Rocky and Sylvester Stallone is what inspired him to get started in that. Um, he ended up having six professional fights. He went three and three, uh, realized he didn't like being punched in the face, and that kind of led to him not wanting to fight anymore. But, you know, he – this this – was this film series is just, it's deeply rooted into my family.
0: Yeah. You know, that's definitely interesting uh, to hear for certain. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of, uh, I have kind of a similar story when it comes to thinking back uh, on this film series as to when I saw what and what I saw first, because I truly don't remember what I saw first. And I know I have, and when we get to that particular film, and I know that you and I have talked about this before, and I don't think we've talked about this ever on the air. uh, It is something I will talk about when we get to that particular film. Uh, But I do have this, and if it's not 100% accurate, I'm fine with that, but I do have this very kind of romantic memory of, of seeing something from this series, which I believe was possibly... Uh, for the first time, but we'll, but we will get there. Uh, but you know, Rocky two, uh, 1979 as was common for a lot of, uh, movies and their sequels, uh, at this time, uh, picks up exactly where the first movie ends. Rocky two picks up in the ambulance rides to the hospital, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of cool. Uh, so, uh any initial thoughts you have on, on Rocky Two, how it opens, uh some of the some of the things that take place, because uh, I feel that there is one of the most important moments in the entire series in some of the opening minutes of Rocky Two. Uh but I'm curious to hear what you think about that.
1: I mean this you know, right from the start, Rocky Two establishes something that we're gonna see throughout this series, which is it starts right where the last one left off. You know, we're going to get those clips of that fight. We're going to see that ending and then it's going to continue from there. Um you know, I I always love that. Now, I know this comes out 3 years past, you know, the original film and it does start to to create one of the little bit of uh, you know, the the little loopholes that I guess you find in the in the film series which is the time frame of certain things and what years certain events take place. Um, especially when we get into Rocky two with the birth of his son. Right. Um,
0: you know, when I think about Rocky two uh, there, there are, there are a few sprinkled throughout uh, the series. Uh, scenes that I feel are just so important um, that shed light on characters uh, on, on the plot for this particular one. And uh, the reason I was asking when I'm thinking back to the, uh, the beginning or the opening moments of Rocky II is because I think, uh, and it could be, I, I'm not going to say definitively, but it could be one of my most favorite moments of the series. When they come hospital.
1: in... Hospital.
0: Uh, in the hospital. When they come into the hospital... And Rocky, you know, he looks like he's been, you know, smashed in the face by, by, a, by a baseball bat. Uh, you know, and Apollo comes in all fired up. Where is he? Where is he? He's got lucky, this and that. We want a rematch. We need to do this again, so on. And he's, he's already started the promotion, you know. Uh, he's mm-hmm. already started it. And Rocky, you know, as the, you know, I don't want to say dumb, but as, like, the local, uh, the local kid who, or not kid, the local boxer, who isn't necessarily up on the inner workings of big business of boxing, is like, I thought you said you didn't want a rematch. And Apollo continues. with Reporters reporters are everywhere. Cameras are flashing. Bulbs, like microphones, news. And Apollo is on full steam ahead in, a, in full Apollo Creed fashion, uh, starting talking about the second fight. Then they, you know, they're, 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 there's all the medical tests. They're into their rooms. They're all bandaged up. Uh, I just absolutely love the scene. Love it. One of my most, maybe one of my most favorite scenes in all of movies. When Rocky wheels himself over to Apollo's room and opens the door, there's no one around. There's no one. It's the dead of night. Everyone is gone. Apollo's in bed. And Rocky says, Apollo, it's me, Rocky. And Apollo's like, yeah. And he's like, can I ask you a question? He's like, could you give me your all? And Apollo says yes, and Rocky leaves. I think that scene, given all of the pomp and circumstance when they entered the hospital, as well as all of the promotion afterwards through the rest of that movie, just what I just feel just such a great scene that sets all of that in motion and puts all of that in perspective and, and really uh, gives some, some more depth to the character of Apollo Creed.
1: Absolutely, which is what I was going to say. Is, is, I mean, this, more than anything else, is a window... To the fact that Apollo is a little bit more of a deeper character, you know, that there's a little bit more behind what this character is and what we're seeing. You know, on the one part, here's this showboat, but on the other part, you know, he is ultimately an athlete and there is a respect. That is there, and you know, no. When the cameras are on and there's people around, you know, no. All bets are off. He's going to say what he's going to say because he loves attention. He loves the spotlight. He is the champ and he is the greatest. And you know, but but behind those doors, there is a, a, a begrudging respect, and Apollo is in there, you know. And this obviously this is not explained in the film, but like how I look at that scene and what I think about is, is you know. This is where Apollo is sitting there, and he's starting to ruminate on the fact that this fight went the distance. He's sitting there thinking that, you know, I, I, I won that fight on a split decision, meaning that one of those three judges thought I actually lost, and that's eating at him already. And, you know, he, he has a lot of respect for Rocky, but at the same time, you know, he wants to get back in that ring and prove that this was a fluke, that this was just him not training, not taking it serious. He was looking at it like it was basically an exhibition match and not a championship fight.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, you're absolutely right. That's shown. there's a great there's a great scene uh, with him and his wife in the house when he's like reading fan mail. He's like reading mail that's mm-hmm. come in with people calling him a joke and, uh, you know, that it was a. Uh, you know, that the fight wasn't real and that he was a joke and this and that. And yeah, uh, and he like throws that mail over the railing like it like rains down all over the place. Um, that yeah, you're right. It absolutely is eating at him. Um, that people thought that this, you know, that, that, that he, he couldn't handle this no-talent local club fighter. That yes, in what was maybe supposed to be an exhibition fight. Um, another one of my most favorite scenes. I, I love this scene so much. Apollo has his whole team, his whole team, uh, in his office, and uh, they're talking about. All right, how are we gonna, how are we gonna get him back in the ring? You know, and Apollo's like, we got to do something to bring this man out. Uh, you know, his his advisors are even like, look, you you want to? Uh, he's like, I hear he's been hanging around doing nothing. We got to do something to bring this man out. And his his advisors like, look, you want to like go public and, and humiliate him, like in the public eye, you're, you're setting yourself up to be the villain. And he's like, yes. I don't care. I don't care. Whatever it takes to get him in the ring. And then he turns to Duke, his trainer, and he's like, what do you think? And I just this scene is just great. Duke is like, honest? And Apollo's like, yeah, honest. And Duke is just like, is all wrong, dude. He's like, this guy is all wrong for us. He says, i seen this man get beat like I ain't never seen a man get beat before. And this man kept coming after you. It's, we don't need this guy in our lives. And he just like, thank you. And then he turns back to his, to the advisor and he's like, do it. Uh, I just, I love that scene. You know, it's just, it's just such a great, great, great scene in a movie which I think has a lot of flaws. I think that Rocky Two mm-hmm. is like way longer than it needs to be. Uh, I think it goes on so long in Rocky's struggles and trying to get a job and the, shooting the TV commercials and going on interviews and working for the meat company and all of this. I feel that Rocky Two is a good 25, 30 minutes longer than it needs to be. Uh, and I think that is one of – it's very slow-moving. Uh, in its pace, and that is something uh, that makes it makes it kind of a flawed sequel, regardless of how many great scenes and moments that it has.
1: See, the Rocky series for me is also, again, to, to bring up the Jaws series, you know, it's funny, when I was younger, you know, Rocky 3 and Rocky 4 were, you know, what I would probably consider the two that I liked the most. But as I got older... I found myself really, really appreciating that first film. Um, And then to a degree, the second film, I do agree that it it does, does feel at times like it drags, but that's also because I feel like looking at it in light of all the sequels and and what we see in three and four in particular, um, you know, they, they figured out that you need other fights You know, you need to have other matches involved. Um, You have to have your your mid-card fight. You know, your your mid-card fights. And that's what like Rocky two doesn't have, you didn't, you didn't really need it in Rocky one because you were establishing everything. Rocky two spent so much time trying to get Rocky back in the ring. And like you said, these struggles, him getting a job, him working at the meat place, him getting laid off at the meat place. Um, you know, like little funny things that I did find in like Rocky two, which you know stem back to Rocky one, you know, during the one scene with the mob boss, you know, when he was getting ready to take Adrian out, the guy's lackey that's in the truck, in the car with him, the driver, tells him that you should take Adrian, you know, you should take her to the Pick zoo, because the zoo. he's calling her a retard, taking he the, take the to retards the like the zoo, and he takes <laughs> her to the, the fucking zoo to propose to her, dude. I was fucking <laughs> dying watching it this time around. I'm like, because I, I watch these back to back, and i know, I'm like, dude, I know. that is just so fucking funny. But yeah uh-huh. it does and uh, again it's, it really it's is it. <laughs> 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 it's building up certain character, it's building up certain elements. I do feel like, you know, Sylvester wanted to go more dramatic with it. And, you know, he wanted to show that, you know, the first movie at its heart, as much as, you know, maybe everybody was talking about the fight at the end of it, that they might have been missing the story. And I feel like maybe Sylvester here was sitting there and trying to say, like, there's story, you know, there's there's so much more story going on than there is fighting in this, that the fighting isn't actually what this film is about. But that's what we wanted to see as an audience. You know, we wanted to see the fucking ring action again.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. So all of these things put in uh, are put in motion, uh, steaming ahead. Uh, well, not steaming ahead, kind of slogging slowly ahead to the to the final fight. Slotting. Um, and yeah, well, look, another one of those. Another one of those sequences is when when Adrian gets sick. You know, Rocky's kind of half-assing his training because Adrian doesn't want him to fight, so his head and his heart isn't fully really in it.
1: Uh, He goes goes into it against Her wishes you know the whole idea was Is that you know he wasn't wasn't fighting anymore. He was retired because she did not want him fighting anymore. And again, right. at 31, 32, whatever age he is, because this is supposed to be, I guess, a year later or, or less than. I mean, I guess this fight takes place approximately, like, what, nine, ten months after the first fight. Um, so we're, you know, even though this movie's coming out in 79, this fight is taking place in 77. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's a quick turnaround, and you know, for him to just go in and be like, "Hey, listen, I'm I'm, I'm fighting," you know, that's it. And he leaves with Mickey, and then yes, we do. We see Adrienne at work. She she ends up going into into labor. It's funny when I looked it up on Wikipedia, they call it she went into mental labor. Um, I don't know exactly what mental labor is, but I think when you go in mental labor, you don't give birth to the child. But she did um, a month premature, at that.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know when that happens, and she goes and she goes into the hospital, and, and Rocky has to go to be by her side. Uh, you know that's where again there's one of these long stretches, like the time from when she goes into the hospital until she comes out of it, and Rocky is reading to her, and he's sitting in the chapel with Mickey, and like that whole sequence, like way longer than it needed to be. Uh, that's a really long stretch of time. Uh, as that's going on, uh, and I think that's one of those you know, things where you could have told that part of the story like, with the same effect uh, in, in less time.
1: Yeah, then, I, I think so too, but I don't know if it would have had as much of an effect. You know, one of the cool things that I get to do, um, because you know, Sam is only eight years old, so she's been watching these movies with me. Um, she really enjoyed the first film. And she was enjoying the second film and kind of getting, you know, a laugh out of things here and there. But she, I did find too, where she was like, well, is something going to happen? And then specifically during this sequence,
0: you know, it actually,
1: you know, she she turned around and she's like – well, is he going to fight? Why is he just sitting there? You know, is he going to really just sit there and spend all this time reading? She's sleeping, you know, She or she's just whatever. She's not going to hear him and this and that. And it's just funny because when you're looking at it from the perspective of an eight-year-old, you know, and like I said, well, you know, if, God forbid, anything ever happened to, like, you your mom or anything like that, you know, I thought, I know that that's where I would be, you know, regardless of whether the person was awake or not. But that's where I would be, Um, you know, from a film standpoint. Yes. Does it seem like these scenes take long? They do. But from a character standpoint, it, it does make sense, you know, especially with with Rocky. And, you know, the fact is that, again, like I said from the start here. I always feel like, you know, Rocky at its heart is this love story between him and Adrian, and the perspective that we're kind of getting on these films is how she views him. So, you know, even some of the shots that we see here while he's sitting there reading are kind of from an above angle, as if, you know, like somebody looking in from above, you know, like she almost like she was having like an out-of-body experience watching
0: what he's doing. Yeah, I mean... I see what you're saying. I still feel that you could have given, you know, the same emotional impact uh, in, in just lesser screen minutes, you know, not, mm-hmm. not minimizing the, the, the time or the duration that he spent in the hospital, not minimizing his being by her side and, and reading, especially now because earlier in the film she was trying to, like he was learning to read, um, you know, I I just feel that that is something that just could have been condensed, just as far as screen time. You know, not not the uh, no, not I, the not the emotional I side do, of it. You know,
1: I agree too. You know what I mean? I, I don't disagree with that, especially like you know scenes of him and Mickey. You know, who Mickey, you know, again, I know we, we really haven't spoken about him at all. But, you know, our, our hard-nosed trainer, Burgess Meredith, deciding that even though they got a championship fight to be training for, he's going to sit by Rocky's side as well. And I feel like this is a very important character moment for the Mickey character. Because, you know, yeah. here's this guy who, you know, at one point when we first see him is telling Rock that, you know, you wasted everything. You know, you did this, you did that. And yet we see the fact is is that he does love Rocky, you know he loves the fact that you know Rocky gave him another chance when Rocky had gotten the shot to go up against Apollo. Rocky was just going to go into it without a trainer, you know at this point. Mickey came begging for that job
0: yeah, he, I mean we didn't you know, touch Ro- we didn't touch on that in the first movie, but that's like that's a very interesting uh I, I don't want to get too much into the, into the back into the first movie because we've got a long ways to no, go I but. Got you. Uh, we didn't touch on the fact when, when Mickey, like, it was interesting because it was like the balance of power and the relationship had completely changed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Mickey came back begging and groveling with that article and talking about when he was a fighter. And Rocky, like, loses his fucking shit and goes off on Mickey and is like, get the fuck out of here. But then Rocky realizes that, like, he needs him. And then, like, there's that long shot where the two of them are off in the distance under the street lamp and they shake hands like they made their peace. Uh, very important Mm -hmm. scene in the first movie that we didn't touch on. But winding our way back to the second movie,
1: uh, you know... We didn't need uh, two shots of them in the church, sitting there, doing nothing. You know, like, there's a scene right there that you can eliminate, and yes, does it only trim 20, 30 seconds? Yeah, it does, but still, any little bit of trimming that you can do in a film that does feel like it's got this long stretch of nothing going on, that does need to be edited out.
0: Yeah, so... Then, finally, 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 Adrian comes out finally. of
1: her,
0: her, her coma. Uh, Paul, of course, is busting open the champagne, of course. Uh, they finally bring in the baby, because Rocky said he's not seeing the baby until he sees them together. And Adrian has, you know, has come around and, and gives Rocky the green light, which, uh, which changes everything. Like the guy says, you're going to heat lightning, and you're going to crack thunder! So uh, off they go into training. (laughs) I know. Uh, You're like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. But anyway, off they go into training, and obviously Rocky now is fired up, uh, trains his ass off, uh, has the silly scene where he runs back to the steps, followed by every kid in in the city of Philadelphia, and, um, you know. Now it's time. Now even, it's time for super the super fight too. Even Sam,
1: which, even Sam had so to go point ahead. out, like as these kids are all following him and running. She's like, "What are their parents thinking? Like, why did the kids just leave? Like, did they at least tell their moms and dads that they were going?" I love the scene, and the one thing that always stood out to me in this scene with the kids running is actually, like, near the end. Just as Rocky gives that, like, quick burst to, like, pull away, there's one kid, kid, the one kid in the red jacket who tries to keep up. The kid puts on a burst of speed, too, but, you know, Sylvester Stallone ain't having none of that, dude. That fucker's flying. Yeah, he is. But, yeah,
0: so then another, another sequence, too, is that, like... That whole sequence with Rock getting from like home to the fight, like that was just extra fucking time, uh, that made this movie the runtime of this movie so long. Like it took forever. He's got to drive. He's got to find the car. He's got to stop at the at the preacher's house to get his novenas. He's got to get to the he's got to get to the arena and run through the hallway and get to the locker and get yelled at by Mickey. Um, just you know, one of the things with with pacing uh, in this one. That just was long, and the first one was long too, but the pacing was different. Like this one, when you watch it, like it just sometimes feels long. But anyway, uh, we have Super Fight There were more interesting
1: things going on in the first film too, during those sequences. You know, whether it was Rocky wooing Adrian or you know scenes with Paulie there were things going on it felt like scenes in that first film were actually like leading up to something or developing something whereas these scenes in this film feel like they're just scenes that are there because like hey I have an idea let's do this and we've got to yeah. point out, too, that we have a different director. You know, this is Sly directing this. This isn't John Avildsen, who would go on to direct the Karate Kid films, and then not yeah. Rocky 5, but, you know, yeah. we did not have Sly directing the first film. You know, here we have Sly directing.
0: Got it. Um, but, yeah, so we have Super Fight 2, uh, which, uh, cutting back and forth, Apollo, uh, you know, trained for this fight like the devil was on his heels. And, uh, you know, for the majority of this fight, he beats the living shit out of Rocky. Uh, I find when I go back to this one, it's like...
1: He, if 20, this came to a decision, Apollo would have won.
0: Oh, my God. When you watch this fight now, it really is just Apollo beating the shit out of Rocky for the whole fucking fight. Like, Rocky has his moments oh, yeah. and everything. Man, Duke Apollo is it. all Duke fucking... Duke says
1: it to him. All you have to do is stay away from him. All you have to do is stay away from him no, in this round.
0: He... Yeah, he was on a mission. He was on a mission, and uh, you know I have I have distinct memories he didn't want of a decision. like he didn't... no, he didn't want a decision. He wanted to leave, no doubt. He would like yeah. the only showboating that he did in this one was when he was telling the reporters to get your cameras ready, and on the heels of that, Whoa. he would put Rocky right on his ass.
1: Um, he was showboating in the ring. He did that fucking windmill thing. You know, when he was proving how fucking, how outclassed Rocky was. He does the little jibber jab with his feet, and he's swinging that arm around like a windmill, and then pops him, you know?
0: Yeah, but he's landing that shit like it's like fucking, like Rocky had no answer. Um, well, beats the shit out of him. But anyway, well, uh, so. But Rocky was also uh, not it,
1: fighting in his natural position, something that Mickey wanted right. to do in this fight, which was right. have Rocky's, you know, a southpaw. And he, right. Mickey wanted to throw Apollo off because they figured he trained to fight a southpaw and it would change things around had he not fought in that southpaw style. Now, what I question in this film, as much as like, okay, maybe that does make sense, it would have made more sense had it actually... Like, I know that in the end, Rocky does switch and that's, you know, those punches are the ones that, that end up, you know, having him knock fucking Apollo out. But at the same time, too... The fact that he just gets pummeled throughout this entire fight, there really is no point to him switching. I feel, if anything, it threw his defense completely out the window. Because if you're fighting in an unnatural position, you're not blocking the same way you normally block. You know, you, you, some people just, you know, you can only fight in one way. You know, I, I'm one of those. I, I actually fight southpaw which is weird because I'm right-handed. You know, there's only two things that I do with my left hand, one of which I do in my bedroom at night, and the other thing is fight. Um, So, but I can also switch back and forth with that. But, you know, some fighters, you know, they're they're locked into the position that they fight in and the dominant hand. Right.
0: But, yeah, so let's talk about uh, the, the finale of this fight before we move on. So... Uh, the final round, they're they're just toe to toe. They're landing massive blows. They hit each other at the same time, and they're collapsing to the canvas uh, at the same time. And you know it's going to be you know whoever gets up to their feet uh, first um, is going to be the winner. And they're struggling, and they've got the slow mo and like the blurry the blurry lens, and they're they're pulling themselves, and everyone is begging and screaming, and and, and Adrian and Paulie are at home and. Mickey and, and Apollo's wife is in the audience, and you know when I was a kid, you know, and I and I still like I have no qualms with this with this part of like how this was uh, worked out cinematically whatsoever. But I have this one little damper uh, on my on my memory of this from when I saw this when I was a little kid was my father always talking about how dumb the ending uh, to to the to the fight in this movie <laughs> was. And I, I never I never agreed with that. Um, because maybe like I was seeing it like as a kid, I might have been fucking seven fucking years old or something, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It was exciting and flipping. Um, but yes, anyway, in that scene, Rocky is able to pull himself to his feet while at the last second Apollo like just can't do it and slips down along the turnbuckle, and uh, and Rocky is the champion of the world. Rocky has done it. it mm-hmm. uh, shocked the world, as they say. Uh, thoughts on the on the finale of Rocky II.
1: Again, it's, you know, if Rocky 1 ends with him losing, you know, obviously at this point you can't have a film series in which your lead character loses the big fight every time. Um, Maybe, you know, I guess you could consider that a little bit more on the realistic end of things. Um, you You know, we've been blessed throughout our lives to have seen, you know, okay i can 't say we 've been blessed to see we 've seen some great fighters throughout our lifetime, you know Mike Tyson, yes. you know we were both you know alive and well and you know mindful of the Tyson era you know and then yeah, everything that kind of followed that afterwards as far as the heavyweights went, it always felt like you know and maybe it 's because of the Rocky films, but I always just felt like you know you have these heavyweights, they're a champion. And it's so rare that you ever get it where you got two guys that are of similar age, similar level of skill in which they are matching up. Um, So it's almost like, you know, you'd have a guy like Lennox Lewis, who a fantastic fighter, but it never felt like he ever had an opponent that would be his match, or at least even close to an equal for Lennox Lewis. Um, but now what we did have, you know, and I know you felt the same way about those fights, were in the, the lighter divisions, we had that Ward Gaddy series, which I felt, honestly, was like as close to a fucking Rocky movie as I've yeah, ever seen absolutely, in man. real life boxing, you know, which was so
0: awesome. I have all of those fights on DVD, and uh, I don't know if you remember that other one, the Corrales versus Castillo. Um, yes. fucking absurd like as absurd as you oh. can get when it comes to, to real life Shh.
1: So for this to end with him winning the title, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I want to see. You know what I mean? As far as if you're following this as far as a franchise goes, you know, you want to see Rocky succeed. You know, you want to see him overcome that opponent. You want to see him overcome those odds. You know, the fact that he's getting his ass kicked this entire fight, you know, and with one punch, they both go down. And, I mean, it's, it's not even just a matter of whoever gets up first. If Apollo gets up, Rocky loses this fight. You know, even if Rocky gets up, because it's going to the cards, and Apollo dominates yeah, okay. throughout this entire fight. No, so. but, yeah, uh, but, you know... We're Rocky also talking wins. about a film series in which things would be shut down, you know? Uh, obviously, back then, yes, were, were the rules a little looser? Were they not taking as much care of these boxers? Yes, I mean, I guess oh, you can lean into course.
0: that. No, these fights, dude, this is so unrealistic to any real boxing ever, man. I mean, There's no
1: defense... I mean,
0: like, you no, guys don't defend no, themselves, no, no, ever! No, 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 no. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Rocky is the champion. I just wanna say one thing! To my wife at home! Uh, Yo, I did I did it! So... Uh, then... Then... Is when... Everything... Changes. Without question, everything changes with Rocky Three. 1982, Rocky Three. Sylvester Stallone, Mr. T, Hulk Hogan.
1: uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the the ultimate meatball.
0: What's that? The ultimate meatball, you mean? The ultimate male
1: versus the ultimate meatball. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the whole good old villainous maybe. Hogan. And
0: I know that we have talked about this off the air. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the air. Rocky three in the movie theater to myself as a, you know 1982. I'm six years old. Depending on when, um, maybe I'm seven, depending on, uh, or maybe I'm five, depending on when in the year this movie was released. Rocky III, as a fan of movies, or maybe not yet a fan of movies, made me a fan of movies. And cinema as an experience uh, completely blew the brains out of my mind when I saw Rocky III in the movie theater with my parents at Movie City 5 in East Brunswick. It, it, truly, it sounds silly to say it, but it, it, as a child, it changed my life. Uh, you know, it, it started a lifetime as a lover of cinema, of all genres. Uh, this movie, for a, a young audience, removed all of the pacing and slog. From, if you want to call it slug, from the first two Rocky movies. And this movie was short and concise and action packed from beginning to end with amazingly blown, like caricature blown performances, a humongous, humongous performance from Mr. T. Uh, what an exciting, fast paced movie. I can't love Rocky 3 more. It could be my favorite movie in the series. It could be my favorite, one of, I don't want to say V, definitely not V, one of my favorite movies in life, without question, one of the most influential movies on my life.
1: I can wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Um I, you know, again, growing up, my father worked in a movie theater, so that is where a lot of my early memories of movies are. I don't remember if I saw Rocky three in theater at that time or not. Um, I would have been very young. I would have only been about four or five, um, but at the same time, too, I do remember seeing Star Wars, you know, because basically when he was doing cleanup, he would throw... movie on the projector and you know i would just sit in the theater while he was doing what he was doing um but you know for me like my earliest movie memory is actually friday the 13th part three um i know i was at the movie theaters to see et um and i believe i know i've spoken about this on the air before but like i had gone downstairs to to get something from my aunt or my mom i don't remember which one of them i was there with but uh she threw the 3d glasses on me and the reason why i just remember it so vividly is the fucking snake jumps out of the, out of the cage and as i watched this snake you know extend itself out of the screen it scared the shit out of me to the point that i went running out of the fucking theater there was no doubt in my mind that at that point I was never going to see what the fuck that movie was. So now to know that so many years later, Friday Thirteenth is like my favorite of the fucking horror movie franchises. It's just I love that. But uh, I yeah, Rocky Three is a fucking awesome movie, man. It does it takes away all of the the I know you say it's slogging. It takes away a lot of the dra- the drama. You know, Rocky Three is you know. Is an 80s film. It's an 80s action film. It is nonstop. It is heavy hitting. You know, that being said, this is one of those films that, you know, when I go back and watch it now, I do see little things that they, they put in there as character moments. Like, I know when I saw Rocky III as a kid, I never grasped the fact that the opponents that Rocky had been fighting after he won the title were all handpicked by Mickey. Hand-picked. I know. And, you know, there were guys that he knew Rocky would be able to beat. You know, they weren't killers. Um, like Mr. Right, but still, was, but
0: you know, that's so one of those things. And, you know, there is that great sequence uh, after the presentation of the statue uh, where they have that discussion. And Mickey announces, like, he says, oh, I've, I've had, you know, however many title defenses. And Mickey announces that they were hand-picked. And then they talk about mm-hmm. it. Like, that scene, like, heavy emotional gives a lot of insight to both of the characters and what was going on at that time but they didn't take 18 minutes to do it so that grotto no. was still there uh you know it
1: was but that's the thing as a kid all i saw in this movie was fighting mr t ho, ho hulk hogan this that you know for me it was like okay they like i said they figured out the formula that they're going to carry through for the rest of this film series you have to have other fights you know, you had to have something else going on. You know, we had intercut, you know, scenes of Rocky during those d- defenses. We had scenes of Mr. T, you know, Clubber Lang fucking fighting people. We get the Thunderlips match. They gave us other things to keep us wet for the big main event.
0: Of course, of course. And, you know... That's something that is, and and the pacing of all that is is going to be something that is enticing and engaging to a young viewer. But it's cool to go back and see it and see that dramatic stuff once you're a little bit older because you realize that it is still there. And my point is that it just don't take so long to do it. It's the same after the first fight when Mickey dies. You know, Rocky goes out, gets fucking demolished, uh, comes back. Mickey dies. There's the whole sequence with the funeral Uh, There's all this sad, and I love this, I love the, the, you know, the very slow piano music is Rocky is on his motorcycle, and he's looking over the bridge, and he's around Philadelphia, and he's looking at the statue with shame, and he's in the gym, and then Apollo comes back, because Apollo's like, Apollo's seen this from afar, and he's like, I gotta get this fucking guy together, and he has some unfinished business also, Um, but, like, all of that stuff was there, like, that was... That's some dramatic stuff, but they just did it in a way that kept the movie going at like a nice clip and a nice pace.
1: Um, well, it's because they and, also did a lot of it in montage, which again, yeah. you know, <laughs> that was the it. thing. Like as much as
0: a lot of montage, a lot of it in montage also. And then you have Apollo who comes back uh, to train Rocky, you know, and after all of this, and mm-hmm. that's another thing that I remember. I remember my dad making fun of how many times Apollo says, oh, "What favor?" Well, Rocky says, "What favor? What favor?" But um. You know, they they go back old school, and and they train old school. And just like for the first part of the training in Rocky II, uh, Rocky can't get it together. You know, he's gone soft. He's lost his edge. Uh, He just cannot do it. And, yes, we have the big speech with Adrian on the beach where he then finds it again and goes back to work um, leading up to the fight, uh, which, unlike other fights in the series, is a, a very short
1: experience.
0: But, well, I first really we also, see, but first,
1: we also have to have the homoerotic beach moment where he's running on the beach with Apollo. Yes. Mm-hmm. You, you, I, you know what? Again, Rocky Three, one of those films I've seen it so many times. And, you know, I had this on video. Um, I actually remember having it on video specifically because it was the same tape. I had gotten it from, my, uh, from a cousin of mine. And on the same video also had the movie Footloose. On it as well, and <laughs> yeah. you know, I remember, I remember as a even as a kid, while watching it, when those two are jumping around in the water the way they are in the short shorts and the fucking cut off shirts, I just remember feeling just a little bit uncomfortable about it. Like, you know, like I get that they're training and he's excited and he's happy, but you know, like they're like a seat, like a frame away from kissing each other right now.
0: No, they totally are, and when you when you watch it now, and look, you can you can make that claim about so many movies, especially action movies mm. from the 80s. I can't think of it off the top of my head. There's even a website out there uh, that like, just talks about like it has a section for every single 80s action movie and talks about all of the homoeroticism in them uh, because <laughs> they're overloaded. But the thing is is that you know, I saw Rocky 3 in the movie theater uh, again, I might have been six years old. I had no idea what homosexuality was. Like that was just exciting, exciting, and like inspiring, and 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 celebratory, and like yes, all of these close-up shots. Now they're in their tiny shorts and they're like their cut-off shirts that are coming down just below the nipples. And when they're running in slow motion, the camera is panning all over their legs and their bulging muscles and their veins and all of this. And it's and it's a bizarre, it's a bizarre thing to watch. But like as a kid, like you're like, look at these fucking guys. Like I want to fucking have muscles. I want to run fast. I, I want, want to look far. like that. There was, yeah, there was never, Witch. there was never any, and and also in the eighties, like cut off mid shirts like that for guys and little shorts and socks pulled up to your knee. That was the style. Uh, it's football funny. popularized
1: I, I, the shirts. Football yeah, course, though, That was you know a what? big thing in football with those shirts. Yeah, I know that for like absolutely. training and whatnot. And, you
0: know, I recently, I recently moved, and in moving, like came across boxes of old photographs and shit, and found like. The group pictures from when I went to day camp in the early 80s, and like uh-huh. all of the counselors, not, not, in, not in half shirts, but like all of the counselors had these tiny little shorts pulled up high with their t shirts tucked in tight and the socks up to the knees. Like that's just what people looked like in that era. And yes, when they're jumping around in the ocean and hugging and slapping each other when you watch it now, absolutely, it's so, it's very homoerotic. But Back then, at that time, as a little kid, that was just like they did it. They reached their goal, and now it's time for the fight. <laughs> and the fight brings us to Rocky versus Clubber Lang, who we haven't really spent any time talking about. What an amazing performance from Mr. T. He yes. is the just absolutely amazing. When I think about certain movies and, and the villain character and the performance of that character, there is no one that could have played that fucking part. Mr. T was
1: absolutely perfect.
0: I reject the okay. challenge because Balboa is no challenge, but i would be more than happy to beat up on him some more.
1: Absolutely, and the word that you bring up there is something that I feel like Rocky Three brings to the table that we didn't have in Rocky One and Two. As much as Apollo was an opponent, Clubber Lang is a villain. You know he comes off as angry and mouthy, and I get you know from a perspective you can look at Clubber Lang and be like, you know what, this is a guy who came up, you know he he earned his spot, wasn't getting the title shot that he felt like he deserved. You know Rocky was was this, Rocky was that. You know he he, he even says it in the movie, you know I want what you got. You know you got that shot now, you know now it's time to give me mine. But you know then there's the lines that he gives towards Adrian. You know, he shoves Mickey. He does villainous things. You know, Apollo Creed might have been a lot of mouth. But, you know, at his heart, you knew Apollo respected his opponent. And that you never felt from Clubber Lang, nor were you designed to. Uh, again, no, this no, film no. is the one that that took the formula and said, okay, you know what? We need to give Rocky a villain, like a, an actual you know, honest to goodness, fucking bad guy. And that was Clever Lang. And yes, Mr. T performed it to, you know, the T. To the T.
0: I can't be beat. And I won't be beat. Uh. What's your prediction
1: for this fight? Cade.
0: <laughs> so, uh. Yes. And, you know, we talk about, like, as a. As a strategy, Apollo Creed in the second movie decides to resort to humiliation tactics. Like, Clever Lang straight up shows up at, like, Rocky. Well, the, the crowd didn't know it, but what turned into his retirement ceremony, and, like, straight up humiliates him. Completely humiliates, mm-hmm. Humiliates Mickey. Humiliates his wife. Humiliates Rocky. Like, he does not care. What in the least? He wants that guy in the ring, and he got him in the ring, and he... Beat the living shit out of him in the first fight. I pity the fool. And no, no. now we get to the second fight. Uh, Rocky has been trained by Apollo and Duke, uh, turned into a completely uh, different kind of fighter, um, and has a lot of challenges uh, along way the way in getting there. Um, yeah, I mean... Guy- you want hear me say it? you want to take me down on the face? the first time in my life, I'm afraid. But anyway, we get to the fight, uh, and this is, again, just completely different than the previous movies. Like, we have a fast-paced, like, stupid, insanely intense assault on, of offense, uh, you know, with great, with great music and, uh, you know, t- absurd punching power. Uh, and, and this fight, different from the others, just goes uh, three rounds. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, again, you know, just, this movie, like I said, it's it's all wrapped up real quick, real fast, a lot of montage, you know, a lot of things are going on, and yeah, just like, you know, the, the first fight between these two ended early, this fight ended early, you know, um... You know, Rock, uh, you know, I, I think the obviously the biggest thing that happens in this movie from a drama standpoint is, is you lose Mickey. Um, you know, you gain Apollo as a trainer. They train Rocky differently. They train him like they train Apollo. Um, and, and that's that. You know, I, I feel like as much as the, the fight in this film is obviously important for Rocky to win his belt back, it doesn't have the same impact as the first two films fights. You know, where it felt like there was more to gain. It felt like there was more to lose. It felt like the the stakes were higher. Here it's just, you know, it's Rocky going back to just just to redeem himself for, for losing as bad as he did. Um you know, and you could go on and say, oh, well, you know, he lost that first fight because he wasn't ready, because he was soft. You know, he lost that first fight because, you know, Mickey just died. And, he had, you know, he, he was thinking about that. You know, there's a, there's a thousand different things that you can go with with it, you know? you know. You have him in the corner after the first round during that first fight. And he's like, where's Mick? You know, where's Mick? I need him. This guy's, you know, this guy's beating me. Um, but that's also because he's not listening to what Mickey had said to him. And even prior to him going to the ring when he was telling him to put off the fight when Mickey was dying, you know, and Mick tells him, what do you, what are you saying? You don't know what to do. You know, what, what have we been doing all this time? You know, get out there and do it. And you know, what Mickey said to him was, listen, this guy's never gone the distance. You just need to wear him down. You need to give him some time. You can't go toe to toe with this guy because he's a power puncher. Um, so the fact that they kind of, you know they they let him tire out at the end of this movie but again everything's so shortened that yes he tires out within the three rounds and then you know you got Paulie saying that uh you know he's he's not getting beat he's getting mad you know like I, I think Paulie in a lot of in a lot of ways in this film kind of comes to the forefront as you know he's always been a little bit of comedic relief but he's in the other films he was very depressive um you know he was obviously a raging alcoholic and it was just, uh, he was always like a down note. In this one, you start seeing and feeling, you know, uh, Burt Young's comedy kind of come out a little bit.
0: Yeah, but maybe towards the end, but if you think back, like this movie starts with Paulie wandering the streets as an angry, bitter drunk, ending up in the drunk tank for throwing his bottle of whiskey through the, uh, through the Rocky pinball machine. He ends up jealous mm-hmm. and bitter, and Rocky has to get him out of jail. Uh You know, they have that whole argument and almost come to blows in the garage.
1: I don't swear to you.
0: And, uh, you know, so they kind of come to some peace there. But let's not forget at the start of this movie, he, too, uh, you know, was was drunk and bitter and jealous at the start of this one. Especially in the montage of all Rocky's successes. You know, they kept panning to... uh... To it's, it's funny,
1: Paulie's like arc in this whole series because you know, like he, he's the one that gets Rocky to date with his sister. And then in the second movie, he takes over Rocky's old loan-sharking bid, uh, his old gig doing that. And then by this movie, you know he's just bitter over Rocky's success. You know, and he has his scene. You know, again, like both him and Adrian, they both get one big scene in this film. And Paulie's is at the beginning. Adrian's is at the beach. And then, yes, then we have this fight. But then we have the big thing. You know, for me, the thing I remember most for Rocky Three is what you don't see. It's that favor that Creed wanted, which was a rematch, a private rematch between him and Rocky. And, you know, them circling each other in the ring, you know, the the ding, ding to ring that bell. And then the movie freezing on those two – guys just throwing that punch at each other and never knowing who wins that fight because we don't find out in the next one at all.
0: Oh, uh, we don't. We certainly don't. And what's, what's awesome about that is that that painting image uh, is, is such a great, great, great image. And uh, that was done by an artist named Leroy Neiman, uh, who shows up in all of the Rocky movies. He's always kind of standing around in the ring. He's got that gigantic mustache um, You know, he's just kind of always hanging around in the movies. He's been in some of the movies. Uh, And, you know, he is a a very esteemed artist and uh, does a lot of work in that style. And you can buy prints of all his work, but he's never made that image available as a print for sale. Um, Just a little fact about that great, great, great painting of the two of them uh, in their punch. But, yeah, so that's how Rocky ends. The two of them having their uh, Rocky three ends, the two of them having having that fight. Uh, you know, the, that favor finally coming around for the two of them to have their fight. There's uh, fight number three, the rubber match in private, if you will. And uh, there ends um, Rocky three. And uh, forgive us, audience, as we start to steamroll, as, as I'm watching the clock here, but we move on to, to Rocky IV, uh, the Cold War, the United States versus Russia. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, the montage the, movie. The it's montage music movie. Video. The, the, the movie of all movies. The, the, I not see the music. Uh, We're introduced to I, Ivan Drago, this monstrosity from Russia uh, that's pumped full of steroids and science uh, with his wife, who is Stallone's wife. And... Uh, you know, if there is ever a movie like of its time and place... It was also place,
1: pumped full of steroids and science.
0: <laughs> yes, it was also pumped full pumped of steroids and science. But if there was ever a movie like of its time and place, Rocky IV is definitely one of them. It even starts with a United States boxing glove and a Russian boxing glove kind of starting to aim at each other and then flying towards each other and exploding. I mean, can you get more fucking than 4 from that? Um, but, uh, anyway... It's Uh, pounding you
1: over the head. Okay, that's what yes. this movie is doing It just pounds you over the head With the fact that this is the Cold War And it's the tail end of the Cold War We are in the Reagan era, people You know, fucking Star Wars All kinds of crazy shit's going on And I don't mean the movie series I'm talking fucking, you know, you know We obviously survived the idea of people hiding under desks and whatnot In the, in the threat of nuclear annihilation But, you know, it took it took... An American fighter at the Philly to take on the Russian beast, you know, who was a military trained fighter. It took that fight to finally, finally, put the death nail into the Cold War.
0: Yeah, I mean that's exactly what it was, and uh, you know they're going to introduce. Ivan Drago uh, to the world stage of heavyweight boxing. Uh, Apollo Creed enjoying his retirement sees, uh, sees a news report about this guy and, like, gets angry. You know, he's like in his pool, like, throwing the ball around with his dogs, and he, like, watches this report. He, like, gets <laughs> mad. He, like, splashes the water. He's all angry and, uh, you know, ends up, uh, ends up booking a, a, an exhibition fight against this guy. And everyone's like, what are you, fucking nuts? And he's like, oh, it's like, this is like an exhibition. You know? And, uh, so. Rocky and Apollo, they're all super rich and retired and chillin' and high style uh, they take on this exhibition fight we get a crazy music video starring James Brown with Living in America and then like, <laughs> just straight up just to not beat around the bush Ivan Drago just straight up murders fucking Apollo Creed in the ring just fucking brutally beats him and leaves him a fucking
1: twitching, dying mess uh, in the How ring. effective You know like if there were little bits and pieces To take out of this film Carl Fucking Weathers man Like yes, Apollo Creed has always been A great character Always, always great And Carl Weathers has always played it so Masterfully But those little Nuances like when he's Laying out on the fucking floor And he just He's twitching It fucking sold the shit out of what this guy just did to him, you know? So you could say, like, he he carries what Stallone can't do, which is, you know, kind of fucking affect those certain deeper nuances, but. You know, Carl Weathers in that little moment right there, like for me, that sticks out in my mind for this movie more than anything else because even as a kid – and this is the first Rocky movie I saw in theaters that I know I saw in theaters – it freaked me out Like it was just weird You know Like he's laying there And he's twitching And it's like Holy shit You know Like and I know That you know Apollo has gone Toe to toe with Rocky You know Apollo's the former champ And this guy Just annihilates him You know And then to And again Like we said With the third movie You know they, they introduce a villain Like this guy Even without the fact That it's obviously Again America versus Russia They're the villains Like this guy's just his cold demeanor Of you know If he dies He dies and there's just no, yeah. no respect behind it. There's no remorse He's behind done. it. You know, he wanted He's to done. fight Rocky. As far as he was concerned, if that was Rocky laying there dead, he would have been just the same fucking feeling, except he might have been a little prouder because he took down the champ and not the guy that was over the hill.
0: But, uh, but yeah, uh, Apollo dies. And, like, Rocky had the towel in his hand and didn't throw the towel. Duke is screaming at him to throw the towel. He didn't throw the (laughs) towel. And yes, Apollo dies. And obviously the next move is for Rocky uh, to challenge Ivan Drago uh, for revenge. And they claim that the fight is going to take place in Russia. And Adrian, of course, uh, you know, uh, as per usual, um, is not having it. Uh, She, she, she... You can't win! uh, Doesn't believe that he can do this. And off he goes after yet another montage, Uh, off he goes uh, to Russia. And we have the juxtaposition of Ivan Drago training with all of the latest technology and steroids and Rocky renting a cabin in the middle of fucking nowhere with just a bunch of fucking rocks and axes and and running (laughs) into the mountains and and all of that. So and then of course Adrian which of course makes into... absolutely no
1: sense considering that Rocky was brought up training in gyms and we know yeah. Apollo's crew which is still training him, Duke is still training him, you know, also trained in gyms. So the fact that they just go to Russia with absolutely no gym training Instead they're like, Okay, well, you know, here's here's a fucking an axe, you're gonna chop wood. You know, hey look, here's some broken down people in a wagon, you know. Let's let's carry them down the fucking road. Like all of this old school stuff. And again, this is just that penalty, this this movie more than anything, this is the one that jumps the shark, in my opinion. You know, this is the one that just takes it. It goes completely absurd in so many directions and I love it. I do. It's a fucking fun ride. Like this is probably the one Rocky movie that if you want to put on, you wanna watch something, it's gonna be quick. It's gonna be efficient. You're gonna see a lot of shit go down that you're not even gonna. You're gonna fill in the blanks mostly because so much of this is just clips. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know if I agree with that as far as putting one on, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. This movie is super fast paced. Like we said before, it's like a series of like four massive montages with a couple of scenes of dialogue in between. Uh, we get to the fight where these two guys are absolutely fucking ripped to beyond belief. Uh, uh-huh. And then they, they beat the but shit out of was each in other. three
1: as well. There's a big yeah, difference yeah. in Sylvester Stallone's body from Rocky two to Rocky III. Oh, without, you know, without, and you see without, that right nothing. from the start. The chiseled yeah. face, everything is completely mm-hmm. different about him. All of
0: it. All of it. So we have this fight, and then just like the training, uh, you know. Uh, Rocky is starting to see Drago as human. Drago is starting to see Rocky as a piece of iron. Uh, Throughout this fight, they start to maybe gain a a grudging piece of respect for each other. And, uh, you know, then Rocky, of course, because it's a Rocky movie, wins the fight in dramatic fashion and also ends the Cold War with a speech. The crowd starts cheering for Rocky. Rocky makes a speech about people changing and everyone changing. And the Cold War, thanks to Rocky Balboa, and Sylvester Stallone. Even, even Gorbachev even Gorbachev applauds
1: him. You know, the, yeah. the stand in that or, they had for fucking uh, Gorbachev uh, without the fucking tattoo on his head.
0: Yes. And this leads us to <laughs> That's what
1: it leads us to <laughs> that,
0: leads us, that leads us to Rocky Five, which we're I don't think we're gonna spend all that much time talking about, but uh rocky five kind of picks up just like rocky four uh coming uh, i mean just like uh at the end of rocky four uh rocky balboa in like the in the locker after the fight and he is having some kind of issue that he can't get a hold of himself uh screams for adrian gets medical attention and he has some type of brain damage that he can't come back from and uh that's going to put an end to his fighting career and uh upon returning to the united states of america they learn that uh, they somehow, power of attorney got put into paulie 's name and he turned that over to some crooked lawyers and blew the entire Balboa fortune. Uh, and they have to mm-hmm. go back and live in the old Philadelphia home in squalor, uh, so poor that Rocky has to go into the attic, open up that old trunk, and drag out their old clothes that they used to wear uh, back in Rocky II. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> we also meet we also meet a Don King-based promoter, uh, George Washington Duke, uh, who is trying William to lure America. Rocky back in. Oh, trying to lure Rocky back in the ring for a payday, uh, with his uh, with his with his guy Union Kane. and uh, we also get introduced to an up-and-coming fighter, um, and this fighter is trying to get Rocky uh, to take him under his wing, and uh, you know to train him and to uh, show him the ways. Uh, and through his brain damage, Rocky loses sight of his family and uh, you know, starts to take this guy on uh, kind of like a, like a son figure because that's not the relationship that he has with his own son. And of course, uh, this guy, this young kid is seduced by George Washington Duke, and George Washington Duke tries to turn the tables and set up the fight uh, to have Rocky fight Tommy Gus.
1: Yeah, I mean this is Tommy the Machine gun, you know, played by Tommy Morrison, a real life fighter. Um who I feel is good in this role. Uh you know, I Rocky 5 is the one that I've actually out of all the Rocky films, this is the one I've seen the most. And the reason being is is when this was on cable, it was on All the time, so like I just always ended up catching it. You know, this is we just were living in New Jersey. I just got cable for the first time. Uh, We never had it while I was living in New York, so you know I was trying to spend as much time like taking in all of this this new TV and all these channels that I never knew you know existed at this point, uh, or I'd only heard about from you know other people, and so i saw this a lot uh i don't know if i saw it in theaters i don't believe i did but it's a possibility uh that was a, uh, a a crazy year with us moving to jersey but yeah i mean this this film again seeing it as much as i have you you felt something was off with it kind of like right from the start i mean they brought abelson back the director of the first film and i mean this movie's about bringing everything back you know bringing brocky back to philly bringing him back to being poor it's also about making his kid five years older because even though the film is supposed to take place right after the 1985 film, it's taking place very much in 1990. Um, This is where I feel like the timeline thing gets a little fudgy because you don't really ever get a sense that five years have passed. Since yeah. Rocky 4, especially being that this movie starts with him in the locker. Now I get with attorney stuff and losing the money and all that shit. Like that kind of stuff does take time. But at the same time, they didn't do a good enough job in this movie to kind of show us that passage of time. So, like I said, this is one of those that throws it off. You know, his kid in this movie is being played by his real-life son. Um, rest in peace. You know, sadly, uh, yeah, Sage Stallone did die that's in 2012, me. man. Uh, he was solid in this movie except for a couple of fucking scenes, specifically the uh, he stole my room scene. Uh, I just the yeah, to fucking yeah, punch yeah. the kid in the head. Well, that, you, know, that, you know, the... That, that,
0: you know, I like that, like the scene when he, when he takes on the bully. I kind of like that because he was trying to fucking train. He wanted to be in that place that Tommy Gunn was in, and his father wouldn't give him no time of day. But he trained himself and everything with all that trouble that he was having at school. He found his way out of it, which was kind of cool, and then made peace with those guys who became his friends. But he started heading down that bad path that Rocky was kind of mm-hmm. talking to Marie about all the way back in the first film. But, you know, I don't want to spend all that much time on this film, but it was just, it just turned its back on kind of... Everything and granted, Rocky Four did have all kinds of different music compared to the rest of the series, but this went to like like a modern like hip hop type t- kind of soundtrack that like wasn't even good hip hop for its time period. So when you go, <sighs> to wow,
1: like it's just it, snap, man, it, it snap, like a snap. And had Snap, it had it hammered, it had a couple yeah, of it had some me, songs, let me, let me but the thing
0: is, all right, let me rephrase that: the stuff that they used in that time period didn't hold up. Like I can, and maybe you can it, say the same stuff about the '80s rock from Part Four. But like I, and maybe this is laughable to say, but I can listen to like Hearts on Fire before a hockey game and get pumped up, uh, truthfully. Um, but,
1: and again, as as a white person, I do get that. But at the same time, too, we got to remember this movie does take place in Philly, and whereas it I doesn't show the racial. Things that I feel like they did get to with Creed, where the music makes sense in Creed because of the fact that we are dealing with a, an African American lead character, it felt very much like okay, we're gonna take our white character Rocky, put him back in Philly, and then surround him with you know, all of this. And I feel like they were were trying to maybe do with that music was try to make you even a little bit more uncomfortable by making you realize, like, what Rocky is in now, how far it is from where he was at.
0: Yeah, of course. But, you know, they get into that street fight at the end. So, yeah, the final fight in Rocky V, obviously, is the street fight uh, behind the bar between Rocky and, and Tommy Gunn, which... You know, when I, well, look, when this is on, am I going to tell you that I don't watch it? I'm not going to tell you that because I'd be lying, because I watch it. But like, <laughs> it's it, it's really fucking stupid. Uh, and they, mm. they have some of that 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 like whatever that shitty ass kind of sound. Go for it, go for it. Hip hop shitty song they had playing mm-hmm. during the fight. Uh, you before Sage Stallone even gets to the fucking fight, he sees it on TV and like he announces it to his mom, who lets lets loose a fucking scream that sounds like fucking Kyle's mom in South Park. And, uh, you know, <laughs> what, what, what? And, uh, you know, they get, they get to the, they get to the fight and like, yeah, the kids screaming, he took my room. And, you know, it's just, and then the preacher shows up after Rocky wins and, you know, he punches out George Washington Duke and he's in the streets and everyone is cheering and Touch I me don't out know. Man, like, At the end of that, and we, I know we got to move, man. I wish we had another half hour, but we got to move. Uh, that was, that was going to be the end. You know, Rocky. Rocky V came out in 1990, and, and that was the end of it. And then 16 years later, uh, out of the ashes of his dead career, Stallone comes with Rocky Balboa. And every motherfucker out there was making jokes. Stallone is so old. Who's he going to fight now? It, it was like a joke uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when this was announced. And I I can't speak for every person walking around, but I never took it, me personally, and I only can speak for myself, I never took it as a joke. And I I said out loud, and we probably had this discussion, I said that I am into this, but the only way that this can work, the only way that this can be successful is if they steer it back to a similar vibe from the first two movies and make it predominantly a drama. And that's exactly what they they did. did. And that's why it was successful because it had music, it had, and, and it was. A, I think the smart move was to have Adrian's character to have passed away already. And we had these musings on aging, on life, on evolution, on loss, on your place, uh, on, on regret, on all different kinds of things that they explored in the Rocky Way. And I mm-hmm. think that Rocky Balboa was the true closing to this series that, in some ways, Rocky V failed in every measurable level. I applauded <laughs> oh, this Stallone completely. And I, I really, really love Rocky Balboa. And look, when I go back and watch it now, it's not a perfect film. It has its flaws, but it absolutely works as like a goodbye to the Rocky Balboa character as a boxer.
1: I know this one, I, you know, again, I was... I was hesitant to go back to it, especially because of the Rocky five thing, you know, as much as I've seen Rocky five, I did not think that there was anywhere else. This character could go or needed to go. Um, you know, when I did see this for the first time, I I felt like it was slow. They tried to do certain things with the cameras. Um, you know, I, I, wasn't a huge fan of it. Uh, so I think watching it for this particular episode, um, it might only be the third time I've watched this movie from start to finish. Uh, and I did find myself appreciating it a little bit more. It's definitely a better film than Five. It definitely goes to hit all those beats in that, that they had in the first two films. Um, they, they, I think one of the things that makes it easier for us to accept Rocky fighting again is we also live through an era in which, you know, George Foreman comes back out of retirement at the age of 44 and wins the fucking championship. You know, this is after Rocky five, you know, so like these things happened in real life. Now, Rocky's obviously in his fifties in this movie, um, a little bit less realistic, but still enjoyable nonetheless they give antonio you know uh carver uh the broken hands you know which is what i think definitely gives rocky the ability to at least stay in the fight i think otherwise he would have lost you know hands down um but, you know, it is it is a solid movie, but I also know that the original cut, Sylvester Stallone's cut of this movie, was something like two hours and change. And I do feel like this movie, as much as it's trying to go back to that drama, as much as it's trying to hit those beats, it also introduces things that never go anywhere. You bring in the Steps character. He never goes anywhere. You get, like, one or two scenes with him, and then that's it. You bring in Marie, you know, who comes from the first film. And... and there's nothing ever developed there. You know, there were things that, like, you know, even his son Robert, you know, they're estranged. He's living in his father's shadow. It's like all of a sudden he comes around. And he's like, okay, you know what? I want to be with you. Boom, here's the fight, and the movie's going to end. This film is a quick film, just like the other Rocky films, and I do wonder. I would really love to see what Sylvester Stallone had in all of that extra footage uh, or that extra story that he supposedly had in what he originally saw this film being, because I feel like all of those characters had more fleshed out to them. I feel like the steps character. I feel like all of these things were developed deeper and we didn't get that. And that that was probably a studio decision more than anything else, you know, because they didn't want to go back to, you know, a two hour Rocky film.
0: Yeah, uh, and you can see there's some of that stuff that you can see in the bonus features on the DVD and everything. Uh, I have there a was in, Lisa. whole alternate Yeah, no, I I got the DVD like when that came out. It was still it was still buying DVDs. Uh, I, I have all I know they of filmed in four endings for somewhere. this
1: movie.
0: Yeah, 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 and you. I, I'm not sure if every single one of them is on there, but 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 definitely some of them are. But I feel the way they ended it was was the right ending. You talked about, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know Mason the line Dixon's. Uh, you know, his hand injury, which, you know, him as a character um, wasn't so deep as a character, but he was struggling with a lot of things in his career, uh, especially his ability to, uh, you know, hang with a quality opponent and overcome adversity, uh, you know, so that gave him that, having the to, having to power to do that with his hand, um, you know, and Rocky is able to have, to have his moment. And, you know, the fact that the fight in Rocky Five is so cheesy at the end and everything that he is able to go out on his terms uh, in this fight, and as he and Pauly and his kid and everybody is leaving, uh, that they're able to kind of send Rocky back out of the tunnel to like soak in the adulation of the crowd, to say his goodbyes, uh, to, to bring it in. That beast is gone, as he told Pauly. Like, he had to get this out of his system. Uh, And, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things that's kind of funny, and I don't know if you noticed there, but when they're, like, showing the crowd, like, right next to Rocky, there's, like, this really big guy that's, like, stone-faced and just looking down and texting on his phone, kind of completely oblivious to everything that's going on around him. Sylvester Stallone standing, like, ten inches from him, and the crowd is all going crazy, and this one guy in the front row is just, like, staring at his phone, has no idea what's going on. It's really funny. There's no way they could have edited that out. No, I
1: never noticed that. I gotta look for that next time.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's real. It, it's really stand. It really stands out if you look, and it's really funny. But I do think that Rocky Balboa, sixteen years after Rocky Five, uh, one, it was kind of like a reignition of Sylvester Stallone's career, uh, which we've had. Uh, there was another Rambo following that. There was a whole Expendable series and a couple of other things that we'll get to uh, in our next, uh, in part two of our Stallone retrospective. Uh, but that ro- wraps up Rocky Balboa. And yes, his character did carry on. His character. Uh, is part of the Creed universe, but in a, in a mentoring role, not as a fighter. And Rocky Balboa, in my opinion, was an excellent end uh, that fit well within all six movies and a, and a proper closing out uh, that was well-deserved for Sylvester Stallone and for Rocky Balboa.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, there's a reason why this character is so deeply rooted in American cinema history. You know, he is a fantastic character. It is a fantastic franchise. Even the flawed movies are fun movies to watch. Um, I love them all. So, I mean, for me, you know, it's fucking Rocky. It's, you know, I I can watch these. I've been, like I said, I've been humming the music all week. It makes me want to put on my fucking gloves, go in my basement and punch my bag. Um, I am looking forward to Creed 2 next week.
0: Yeah, next week. That is, I mean, uh, who doesn't know? But yes, Creed 2 is coming next week. Uh, You know, on behalf of the ghoul and myself, I know this is not from our horror universe, uh, but anybody that might be out there listening, I thank you for joining us for part one of our Sylvester Stallone retrospective. As stated at the top, part two will come next year before Rambo, and uh, we were thrilled to be able to do this special episode series, so I thank you.
1: Good night. I didn't hear no bells.
0: <laughs> I didn't hear no bells. <laughs> Good night.